0: Welcome to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast, the podcast by filmmakers for filmmakers. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined alongside my co host, Jeff, as always. Jeff and I are writers and directors and passionate about the art of storytelling. Filmmaker Mixer is a creative hub where aspiring and established filmmakers come together to share experiences, insights, strategies, and inspiration. Today, we are at the Austin Film Festival, and we are chatting with Debbie Wolf, the showrunner for the successful sitcom Lopez vs. Lopez.
1: Hello everybody, this is the Filmmaker Mixer podcast and it is Sunday at the Austin Film Festival and Andrew and I have had such a great time here. We've met so many talented writers, filmmakers, actors, directors and I have to say the team here, the press team rather, at the Film Festival has been fantastic. Travis and Kristen and Jennifer have been amazing. They've made our job at the Filmmaker Mixer so much easier uh, and so a big shout out to them and today we are chatting with Debbie Wolfe. Debbie is a showrunner who teamed up with George Lopez and his daughter Mayan for the comedy series Lopez vs. Lopez, which premiered on NBC last year. The show's very funny, but also deals with important topics like trauma and mental health. And season one was the number two comedy on NBC, and they're already set for a second season. So, Debbie, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So. Debbie, you know, our producer at the Filmmaker Mixer, her name is Melody Lopez. So I think uh, there might be a spin off Lopez versus Lopez versus Lopez. Lopez Just yes. throwing it out there. So. <laughs> we always said if we
2: have Mario Lopez on the
1: show, that's what it would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, where I'd like to start is what inspired you to become a storyteller? Was there a, a defining moment in your life as a child or a teenager where? you knew you had to do this for a living?
2: Yeah, well, um, so I grew up, um, I am the daughter of a Salvadorian immigrant mother and a Jewish father from Miami. So, um, you know, basically I my passion and fire for life like like exacerbates my Jewish stomach. So, um, you know, I, I just grew up with this like identity crisis of sorts. Like half of my family like are, you know, babysitters, valets, the other half are like scientists and lawyers and, and neither side accepted me. So I was always trying to find my place in the world and I would turn to writing um, to do that. I would turn to journaling about what a freak I felt like I was. And and
1: and how old were you then?
2: um, uh, I think I started like journaling like when I was five like wow. yeah I was like aware that I was different and weird and <laughs> um and just didn't fit in and so um I think it was like that journaling process that like led me to be a writer I just like I always knew that I wanted to be a writer and um originally I wanted to be a feminist filmmaker <laughs> an indie feminist filmmaker but then I fell into TV
0: <laughs> yeah so you've written and directed and now you're a showrunner and mm-hmm. an executive producer Can you tell us a little about your journey from starting out to where you are now? Did you go to film school? Did you just jump in feet first? Uh, yeah, explain to the audience
2: maybe. Yeah, um, so I did go to film school. Um, I went to the University of Central Florida, um, and uh, I really loved the experience because it was so far removed from Hollywood. Like we didn't know anything, and um, and so we just got to create. And I got to make like eight short films, and like I got to shoot on Super Thirty Five, which was really badass. <laughs> and like and um, and so it was just like an incredible film school experience. And then um, I moved to L.A. thinking like they were going to hand me a feature film because I had a short film in Tribeca <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I thought I was like hot hot, sorry, pardon my French, hot shit at 25 and came out to um, L- L.A. and I was like, OK, I'm ready, L.A. and um, didn't happen overnight, <laughs> and I worked very hard. Um, I tried to, I networked with every possible person that had any connection to the industry, people I met at film festivals, I got my first PA job, and um, I worked in reality TV for a while. Um, all, that, all that time though, I was committed to um, becoming a writer, so I would apply to like every program I could. Like anytime I saw a deadline, final draft competition, you know, whatever it was, um, I would apply. And I would finish scripts, and I would apply, and got rejected from a lot of things. <laughs> and um, rejection in Hollywood, I'm yeah, shocked. Yeah, yeah, I got rejected from a lot of things, but I didn't. I just never let that stop me. Like I just knew that I, I knew that I had um, a story to tell. I knew that I had a voice, and um, so then, at the time, I think I was like working for like four or five years, and I got really depressed, <laughs> and I got really fat, and <laughs> I was just like, I need to do something. And so to pull myself out of it as I often did like when I was little to jurn- I journal about my feelings I made another film and so I made a short film called Gordita about being fat and depressed and like <laughs> and getting my groove back and that film played the NBC Film Festival oh, wow. and so I met all the NBC diversity uh, team and they encouraged me to apply to their program and um, but I needed a spec so I had to I took a class at um, this iOS it no longer exists it was an improv comedy school in LA and I I wrote a spec script, I wrote Modern Family. And um, but I didn't just like go into it. I like studied Modern Family. I like dissected every episode of like at least there was only one season at the time, so it wasn't crazy. So I dissected <laughs> every episode, broke it down, and taught myself how to write television and wrote this Modern Family spec that got me into the program. And then after the program, the program helped me uh, get my agents and they helped me staff on my very first sitcom, which was Whitney. Um, Whitney Cummings show.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm curious, was there, a, do you have a defining moment in your career where you know, like, it kind of turned the page to, like, the chapter you are in now, or just that defining moment where you thought, you know, maybe I've made it by now, you know, maybe I've made it, maybe I've had my big break, for example.
2: hmm I think it was that moment that I mm-hmm. staffed on Whitney. Um, you know, it was like, um, she had room for, um, to hire a, a writer from the program, from the NBC diversity program, um because the the network pays for that writer Mm -hmm. pays that writer's salary so there's one slot and you know there's other people competing for it but um i went in just like really determined (laughs) like i've always been (laughs) um studied everything there was to know about whitney cummings and like and what she was trying to do with the show and there had already been one season so i watched every episode and um, went in there and interviewed it. And I knew that I had, um, I was actually living with my boyfriend at the time. We weren't married and that's what the show's about. And um, so I knew I had a lot to offer, personal stories to offer. So I went in, wore a great pair of heels because I knew she was into heels. And, uh, <laughs> and just killed it, killed that interview and got the job. And as soon as I got into that comedy room the first day, I was so nervous. Everyone was so funny and brilliant. And they were, they were all talking so fast and I was like, wow like this is incredible but i also like felt like i had found my home like i wasn't meant i think to be a filmmaker i was meant to be in writer's room
1: oh that's interesting Mm -hmm. um so our audience uh you know is pretty diverse we have seasoned filmmakers who listen to the show but we also have a lot of young kids coming up trying to learn about film and tv so uh, for those young listeners could you Um, define what a showrunner is, explain what a showrunner does, and why it's such a critical role to the success of a show?
2: Yeah. So a a showrunner is basically the person who has a clear vision of what the show should look, sound, feel like. Um, And... So, and then the showrunner is responsible for executing that vision and collaborating with a team, with um, with writers and with crew and with actors to execute that vision. Um, and it's a very challenging job um, because you have to be <laughs> everywhere, everything, all at once. <laughs> um, and yeah, you're 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 managing, you know. Sometimes you're answering like 300 emails a day, but you're, and at one point, like you could be um, writing one episode, um, you could be uh, shooting another one and editing another one all at the same time. And so you'll go from room to set to post all on the same day, and then you get home, and you're just like, I haven't slept or eaten, and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and wow, but um, I wouldn't give it up for anything, because it's just such an incredible job, and, and you know, I just like, um, you know, I, I always wanted it. I, I've been manifesting it for years, and I'm here, and I, I'm so grateful for
0: it. Yeah, someone who's been, you know, a writer in a writer's room and now building out your own writer's room. I'm curious how you've developed your taste over the years and what you look for in writers uh, when you try to build out that room.
2: Yeah, well, I think um, as a showrunner, when you're building your room, you really think about because TV is all about characters like it's all about having like clearly defined characters. That's how you create a TV show that lasts. It's like characters that you want to like live with for many, many episodes and many seasons. And so, when you think about the room, you're trying to staff those characters in a way. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're trying to think about like like yeah. yeah unpack that yeah. a little bit
1: when you say you're trying to staff those characters. Are you trying to find those characters' voice in the in the writers? Is that what you mean? Yeah, explain that.
2: Yes. So you want writers who share points of view of your characters, or really understand the points of view of your characters. Like, you know, for example, like um, you know, a question I would ask is like, what is your what are your daddy issues? <laughs> is a question I would ask in an interview. And um, and one thing I really look for too is writers who are open, who are vulnerable, who are honest. You know, and because that's what I think makes for great writing is storytelling that's authentic, that comes from your life or comes from the lives of people that you're close with. Um, That's where the great stories come from. So I need to to know that um, you're going to bring that to the room, that you're going to bring your complete, authentic self to the room.
1: That actually is a good segue to my next question because um, we've had the opportunity to chat with some TV sitcom directors, TV sitcom editors. And there seems to be a conflicting mantra with different folks, you know. Some believe this, some believe the other thing. Um, Some say story first, comedy second. Mm -hmm. Some say comedy first, story second. And because your show tackles, it's a really funny show, but you also tackle serious subjects. So what's your thought on that? How do you balance story versus comedy?
2: Yeah, I I mean, I don't know how you do... Like I think if you're like thinking of an idea of like a funny bit first and trying to build around that, it's going to be really challenging and really difficult, and you're going to like be killing yourself to make that happen. I think you got to start with story. You got to start with theme. What is this about? Um, you know, that's where we always start. Um, you know, like what is, what theme are we exploring? Are we exploring generational trauma? Are we exploring um, mental illness? Are we exploring alcoholism? Like, so we start there, and then um, and then we build around that. Because you can find the funny, you can build the jo- you can find the jokes, but um, what is it that you're trying to say is the first question you need to ask yourself when going into writing.
1: Yeah, we were interviewing um, some actors who came through some of the st- uh, stand-up schools, the Groundlings and things like that, and one of the things they said was interest, that was interesting was they were taught, taught that um, don't be funny, just tell the truth. And through the truth, you can find the funny. So that sounds yes. like
2: kind of what you're doing. that's exactly it. That's exactly it. That's a beautiful statement.
0: You know, and collaboration is such a key part of creating a TV show. And you're probably working with many talented people, not just actors, but people behind the scenes as well. Could you discuss the importance of collaboration, how you work with writers, you know, probably different directors for episodes mm-hmm. and other crew members?
2: Yeah, I mean, collaboration is everything. Um, It's such a collaborative medium. Um, So I think that you try, like, you hire the best people, uh, people who have been doing it a long time, or even new people, but like you trust, like, you've vetted them, um, you've talked to people they've worked with, and you hire them because they're great at their job. And so you empower them to do their job. And, you know, the people who are great at it. They also understand that as the showrunner, you have a clear vision and they want to cater to that vision. And so they ask a lot of questions, a lot of really thoughtful questions. And, um, and, you know, sometimes I'm like, ah, too many questions, (laughs) but, (laughs) but I also appreciate it because they're just trying to fall in line with the vision. And, um, and so it's, it's, it's a really, Great process where you have a team of people who just want the best for the show and they want it to last too. You really become a family, and um, that's one of the, like the beautiful, one of the beautiful things about the job.
1: So I read uh, how you discovered Mayan through her TikTok channel, yeah. and I'll let you tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's make it a two-parter. First, how did you discover her? And what other memorable moments other than that story have you had on the show?
2: (laughs) Yes. So um, during the pandemic, you know, I, uh, you know, there was, there was like, not a lot to watch. So I turned to TikTok and um, I became obsessed with TikTok. I had an unhealthy addiction (laughs) and my algo like was um, a lot of like Latine content. And so Maya Lopez popped up and she was um, sort of unpacking uh, some details of her parents' divorce. And she was like, Calling out her boomer father and um, for cheating and for and she was saying her mom got a fat settlement and she was twerking upside down the entire time and I was just like this is hysterical because she's talking about all her pain but she's like also like doing it in a very funny way and um, I actually emailed uh, Bruce Helford who I had worked for on the Connors and he created the original George of the show and i said this is how we're going to bring george back to network television cuz like his the original show was about his relationship with his um his grandmother who, who was his mother in the show and um and it was like the real life story of that and i was like this is there's a real thing happening between him and his daughter and like i think we should explore it and like and it will resonate with an audience cuz it resonated with me as someone, I mean, all comedy writers have daddy issues. So, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have daddy issues. You're not funny. <laughs> um, so, I it really resonated with me, and and um, and and yeah. And that's how that's how. Uh, what
1: was the second part? Uh, well, well, actually, I'm going to segue to something else. Um, you know, you talk about dealing with issues, and that's actually the great thing about comedy, mm-hmm. is because you can deal with issues, but since you're doing it in a way that you can laugh about them it it, it kind of eases the pain a little bit. and so what do you what do you think what do you think is the skill to to tackle those issues and and be able to wrap it in something funny to to get your message across if that makes sense?
2: Yeah, I think it's like it's just time like <laughs> like painful things happen to you, and in the moment, you don't think that it's funny, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, but after some time when you can reflect back on it, you can start to laugh at it and um and and so it's really about that, about having like the time and space away from the situation to be able to reflect back. And and um, Mayan and George are just like masters. Of, I mean, George Lopez is a master of that. He's always done that in his stand-up work. And I grew up watching him and, and being inspired by him. And um, it's what I've always done in my work as well. Um, you know, I said from the beginning, like unpacking my my trauma, my identity <laughs> crisis, like um, and, and so and Mayan was also so like very open to doing that too. She knew it was funny about, about what happened between her parents and, and her issues with her dad. And so um, I think, I think it's a, it's a skill. I think it comes with going to therapy as well. I think you can develop that skill to be able to, you know, really unpack why things happened and then reflect back um, in a thoughtful way and laugh at it.
0: And since you're going into season two now, I'm curious, looking back at season one and maybe just developing the show, were there any significant changes or challenges that uh, you faced during season one that maybe you're taking into season two as maybe a happy accident or just running with it now?
2: Something that happy accident, running with it now. Um, hmm. I think something I learned from the first season is that. Um, Definitely, like I think, I think I try to go a little big with with for season one. Like we had a dog quinceañera, like where we we made dogs dance, and it was like it was it almost killed all of us. And in the end, I don't know if we got a lot out of it. So something I will take into season. I think the more grounded um, episodes are the ones that served us much better. So going into season two, like that's my plan. So
1: so no dog quince. (laughs) Years. Well, I want to circle back. (laughs) I want to circle back to when you were first starting out as a writer um, and you were trying to find your voice. I'm curious what writers or filmmakers influenced you uh, when you were trying to find your voice as a writer.
2: Yeah. um, So I can actually point to two specific movies that I think defined me like um, was a Welcome to the Dollhouse by Todd Solans and then America, uh, sorry, uh, Real Women Have Curves which stars America Ferreira. So if you're basically take America Ferreira from that movie and stick her into Welcome to the Dollhouse, I felt like that was me. <laughs> yeah. And so those two movies just really, really inspired me and um, I think were really influence, influenced me because I have a dark sense of humor but I also think there's a lot of heart to it and um, so I'm sort of the balance between those two <laughs> things. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm curious, since you kind of explained to the younger audience what a showrunner does, I'm curious what kind of skill sets for young people, if they want to one day be a showrunner, showrunner, they got to start honing now Mm -hmm. that you think uh, a good showrunner needs to possess.
2: Yeah, I think decision-making skills. Like, you have to be able to make a lot of decisions, um, oftentimes very quickly when you're in production. And, um, you know, trusting your instincts, And that's not easy because like a lot of us writers don't have a lot of confidence and that's why we're writers. (laughs) (laughs) So um, like trying to build self-love and confidence and and, um, in decision-making, like that's going to serve you well.
1: I'm curious when you're working on the show. Is there a lot of improv? I mean, you know, you got some some funny cast. So is there a lot of improv that goes on?
2: Yeah, sometimes there's some improv. Um, Yeah, definitely. Um, George will be like, let me, let me let me try this and i'll be like all right and <laughs> he's like i got it i got it i was like okay cuz sometimes you know in a multicam we shoot in front of a live audience mm-hmm. so sometimes something we thought was hilarious in the room like falls flat oh, <laughs> in in a live audience situation i kind of love this that moment when like everything something that we thought was so funny no one laughs and <laughs> it's like it's like this like crickets and like i i get a thrill out of it cuz i'm like okay now it's a challenge like you are a
1: dark it. person aren't you yes
2: i am i am i, love, I am so um, so basically like in that moment like you have to come up with a new joke and so um, we'll huddle but then oftentimes like you know the actors will also pitch pitch um, and you know having one of the greatest comedians of our time um, on set it's like so incredible because he'll be like, yeah, I got it and then he'll just like come in and do something that's like so amazing and so funny and the audience will die and as long as
1: it hits the beat you need Yes,
2: gotcha yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Yeah, I'm curious because you were talking about being in front of an audience. I'm curious how you in this day and age how you handle feedback from maybe the network, social media, studio audience and how you kind of use that in keeping while keeping the creative integrity of the show at the same time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I appreciate feedback and criticism. I love a challenge. Like I think like Bruce Helford said to me like you can always make a script better and that's the truth. You can always rewrite Writing is rewriting. And so um, whenever there's any sort of like uh, criticism, I mean, you take it all with a grain of salt, not everyone's, you know, some people are just haters and you have to recognize <laughs> that too. But, um, but whenever, you know, if there's like multiple people saying something is off, then I really pay attention to that. And um, I take that as a challenge to like address it and figure out um, how do I make the show better out of this. Mm-hmm.
1: Obviously, uh, Lopez versus Lopez is is very funny. It's a great comedy show. I'm curious as a showrunner are there TV ideas you want to develop in other genres that maybe you'd like to explore?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I have a horror comedy that I want oh, I would love to do um, uh, you know, I also like last year developed a um, a pilot in the kids space. Um, unfortunately, it didn't go. But, but like I, I think Latine representation is lacking so badly in Hollywood, and it is one of my goals to change that. And, but I think by by we need to be represented on all platforms and in all genres. So, um, I love to dipping into other genres. I don't know if I can write like drama. It's so boring. <laughs> like I was in a drama. I was in a. I was on a show called Love Victor, and it's a great great show but like I was like nobody's laughing and I'm like I'm so bored (laughs) like it doesn't work well with my ADHD so (laughs) um I think whatever I will end up doing will be something funny
1: and and I've got a question this is again I guess going back to the young kids that might be listening how does a writer's room work how many writers do you have do you beat out the whole season before you start you know divvying out episodes do people Mm -hmm. share episodes how how did just how does it actually work
2: yeah so we have um currently nine writers in our room, including me. Um, and I'll really like you know think about the season ahead of time. I try to get as much work done before we go into uh, the room and you know, George and Mayan are also very involved as producers. And so um, season arcs, I will, I will think about the season arcs and like what I want them to be. I'll discuss them with Bruce and then bring them to George and Mayan. And we all talk about it. We all agree. And then I bring that into the room. And then the room helps me like flesh out those arcs even more. Yeah, we try to figure out like what is the arc for each character? What is the emotional arc for every character? And um, once we have that figured out, it makes it much easier to break episodes Um, Because now, like, you kind of have, like, um, a beginning, middle, end. And you're kind of just plugging these episodes into it. And um, we break the stories together as a room. um, And uh, and then... We'll also pre-outline together, and we'll basically write an outline together. Outline
1: the, the show or the Or season? episodes, uh, uh, sorry, episode.
2: individual episodes. Okay. We'll, we'll break individual episodes okay. together. So once the season arc is, is figured out, that gets pitched to the network studio. They sign off on that, and then we go into individual episodes. And so we start with beats of the story, and then we go into those beats, and we make an outline as a, as a group as well. And then that outline gets assigned to a writer. A writer will go off and write the script bring that script back into the room, we'll rewrite it as a group, um, and then that will go to Network Studio, notes, rewriting. <laughs> in Multicam, we get to rewrite multiple times. We do table read, rewrite, then we do run-through, rewrite, then we do a second run-through, rewrite, and then that's it. Pencils down, then we shoot.
1: And so in, in each of those steps, what uh, what is the, um, uh, the the, what am I trying to say? What's the cause of the rewrite after, say, a table read?
2: Oh, okay. So table read, um, the network and studio will be there, so they'll give notes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then um, sometimes the actors will also have some notes. Um, and then we'll have notes. Like, I'll, I'll know. Like, once I hear it out loud, I'm like, oh, that didn't work. Or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that could be better. And uh, and so that that's a rewrite. And then also after the, the, the first run through, run through, there's a rewrite because we have studio notes. Second run through is network notes.
0: Yeah, I'm staying on the writing topic, I'm curious how conscious everyone is to keep the show fresh or relevant with um, present day topics or, you know, how conscious you guys are maybe that it can be uh, consumed in bite sized snippets at the same time um, for like TikTok or YouTube or any of that. Is that something you're consciously going into? Um, staying fresh or, or modern, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think we try to stay evergreen because like, I do want, like, you know, I, I always revisit old sitcoms, like I'm watching Everybody Loves Raymond now and it stands the test of time because they didn't really, like, it didn't rely on, like, you know, current events or topics and I think that's the best way to approach, like, a multicam um, is just making it about uh, the human experience that, are, that can resonate with everyone and it can be watched forever.
1: Well, um, I think that's all we have for you today, Debbie, it's been a joy talking to you. It's thank been you, you're you're very funny, and I love your you. laugh. And oh, thank, thank you, you so for joining <laughs> us today. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of the Austin Film Festival and get to have some fun in Austin. And, um, yeah, if you ever want to circle back, if something exciting is going on and you want to chat some more, you're always welcome.
2: All right, thank you so much for having me. This is great. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast, a podcast created and hosted by filmmakers Jeff Stolen and Andrew Lamping and produced by Melody Lopez.
1: Our theme song was composed by the man whose fingers dance upon the keyboards, Stephen D. Bennett.
0: Make sure to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on and stay tuned for future episodes.